Hey everybody and happy Valentine's Day. If you're listening to this episode when it first drops, I am Katie from the Board Game Mechanics and with me as always is your love of your life, Jason Smith. That's right. (laughs) See, I changed it up. You like what I did there? (laughs) Oh, that's cute. It's a sweetheart episode, everybody. Yep, that's true. So you can listen to us while you're eating your chocolate bonbons and smelling your roses that you got from your sweethearts. Katie will dream that she gets that stuff. (laughs) Or I'll be uh, listening to it again while I'm eating the fabulous dinner of Taco Bell that my husband went all out on. That's true. I mean, that's... Unwrap the stick of gum that he found to give to me from his car. Taco Bell's a classy joint. I mean, come on. Mm. What was I thinking? It's everything I've ever dreamed of. <laughs> I knew what I signed up for. I know. That's I knew you could really say that. That's true. <laughs> that is true. But in all sincerity, what a wonderful thing to do for Valentine's Day than to be in a podcast about board games with my husband. So thank you, Riveted. We love you guys. And so if you don't have a special Valentine, you have us to keep you warm and fuzzy today so oh Happy Valentine's that's, Day. Sweet. that's sweet oh everyone oh if i knew where you all lived i'd send you a little <laughs> teddy bear holding a heart and a pink rose because those are my favorite all right that's enough i'm gonna throw up it's getting too too sickening sweet over here <laughs> let's talk about some news instead yeah let's do it okay once again kickstarter is still happening still happening so um, a couple different games, and they're kind of, I don't want to say all over the place, but as far as uh, theme goes, wildly different. So the first one I want to talk about is Fruticola or something like that. I like, it's Italian. I like Fruticola. 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 <laughs> but I think that other I is in there. I think it's a typo on my part. So it's Fruticola. I don't know. Fruticola. Agricola. Mario is the winner. <laughs> it's a me, Mario. <laughs> it's a me with the fruticola. All of our Italian people so, that listen to us now have shut us off. I'm sorry, guys. We don't know anything about Italian. I apologize. That's not true. Mario, we just did it. Well, okay. I actually know more about that. I'm more about Italy than that. But um, Paris. Stop it. <laughs> Italian, you people. We love you, Italians. You're amazing. So, and this game looks amazing. So, the the theme is really cool, which is what I think attracted me to it. And it's, you are making and selling jam. Like, you're in this 1950s town that has, like, a lot of orchards or whatever. So, you've got all this fruit. And then you're going to, like, enter a competition, I think, for Christmas. And I don't know why they arbitrarily put Christmas, but you're going to try to make the best jam and sell it for the best prices. So, um, it's got worker placement because you're trying to decide, you know, you're picking the fruit, making the jam selling it at you know when the market price is best for whatever kind of jam you make all that stuff there's some really cool card play power kind of stuff that's happening the reason that i am interested in it is because um there's two designers but one of those designers is Geely, jiggly giggly i think it's Geely. Geely. yeah co-designer of coimbra that's all that matters coimbra egesia grand austria hotel lorenzo all the games I love. So I think that this game about fruit is going to be awesome. So I'm trying to convince Jason to back it. There are 11 days left 
if you are interested in, go check it out on Kickstarter. And the standard edition is $37. That's pretty good. And I want the deluxe one, of course, um, because it's it's like it's only 44 bucks, I think, or like 47 or something. It's, it's not that much more expensive. And it's got like these little jam jar meeples, you know, and the cute little fruits. They're shaped meeples. So that is Fruticola, or however you want to say it. Yeah, this one seems int- this one seems interesting, but then I watched some play, and I, I'm not sure. But I'm definitely intrigued by it. I think it looks adorable, but you know, my next one you definitely aren't into. Oh yeah, Th- this one's like the top <laughs> of my list. I want to play this one so bad. Stop. Uh, the next one I want to talk about is Wonderland's War because I can't, I could not get away with not mentioning this. Uh, Druid City Games, they have been doing such cool stuff with fairy tales. And that James Hudson man, he is the second foxiest man in board games after Jason Smith. So, (laughs) really a big fan. No, come on. Everybody knows that's a lie. He's like the the foxiest man in board gaming, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) And he dresses so nice. I just (laughs) love me some James Hudson. He probably doesn't like get a restraining order. Now, I am a weird one. I realize that now. Like, I made fun of you all, like you and Joel, for being creepy about. You did. Stefan Feld. Yes. Stefan Feld. You're right. How's it feel, huh, weirdo? So now, okay, but I mean, there are plenty of people I think that would like are stalking James Hudson. I mean, you've seen the man. Yeah, I'm kind of stalking him. That's all good. Exactly. I mean, (laughs) he's just very appealing. (laughs) And so this game, Wonderland's War, it takes place, uh, Alice in Wonderland setting. There's like two phases that go over like, I think four rounds um there's a tea party phase and a war phase so you go to the tea party you gather stuff like you gather allies to help you um fight because ultimately you're going to fight fight a war in these different areas of wonderland um you like can level up your character it's weird because it's so there's card drafting when you're at the tea party because you're drafting cards there's also bag building because you have a bag that you put like tokens in like for your own your own player abilities. And then if you get any like Wonderlandians that want to help you and stuff, they might have some tokens and they go in this bag. And so then when you fight a war, you're pulling chips out of this bag and they get placed on your player board to kind of, to do different things. So some of it's madness. um, That's kind of like negative. And some of it is actually helping you unlock player powers for yourself to be able to use. Um, And there's also like an area control element too. So it's kind of strange, all the stuff that's mixed together. It's definitely a mixed bag of um, mechanics. But, like, the artwork is gorgeous. Oh, my gosh. And it's got some miniatures that you're using as, like, your team leaders and stuff. They are amazing. Like, if I were a minis painter, oh, the field day. Because I I really love Alice in Wonderland. Like, it's Alice and the Queen of Hearts and the Mad Hatter and the Jabberwocky. I think are the people that the main leaders that you can be. And then there's other like smaller miniatures for like Wonderlandians. So it's looks cool. If you're into those kind of things, I'm not, I'm not into fighting games, but there are 18 days left. I mean, it's like ridiculously funded. Um, And it's 50 bucks for the like base edition of the game. So that's Wonderland's War. Yeah. All I know about it is the artwork looks amazing. Like that box cover has the Cheshire cat on it. I think. Yeah, it it's looks, super cool. Looks really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So if that's your thing, it it's it looks like different than some other maybe like fighting mini games, and I I love the theme. So I think it's just like a really cool way to kind of get into that. So 
Wonderland's War. My next one is called Wishland. And the arc on this one is really cool, too. It's a worker placement game, two to four players. Um, and it's building an amusement park is the theme, which it kind of reminds me a little bit of Unfair. Because it looks like you're trying to get people to come. You're trying to get more. Um, you're doing attractions. You have actors. And you're just building an amusement park. It reminds me, like, of the classic game, the roller coaster tycoon that I used to play when I was a kid. Um, except I wanted to, like, make the roller coasters go really fast so people, like, flew off or, like, threw up when they got off. Did you do that? No? Just me? Just you. No, come on. Surely other people did that. No. Like the, like the teacups, you can go real fast because you can, like, control the speed. Okay. But it's it was like a game. I don't know if – I was trying to think if I played it on someone's computer or if it – I think it was, like, a Sega Genesis version that I had or something. Anyway, that's a little aside. So Wishland, though, I, there – I didn't watch like a playthrough. I was just looking through like to see how you play the game. And it was like super basic steps. You gain income, you work on your attractions, you have visitors and then you do it again. So it looks like it's pretty straightforward. And um, if you really like that theme of building an amusement park, like I know we talked about Dinosaur Island a couple weeks ago. And I like the idea of building a park and trying to get more visitors and like working on your attractions and stuff. This looks like that's what that's like. And it has these super cute components like – these little smiley faces with mustaches for like happy people that are in your park. It was, it's really cute. Like it's legitimately cute. So if that sounds like something that's fun, it looks pretty light. There are 10 days left on the Kickstarter and the base game is $49. Yeah. I backed this one at the dollar level. I'm just waiting if, or trying to decide if that's something that I actually want to pay the $49 for. You're not, you're going to back out. You're probably right. But I mean, I've backed it now. I'm a backer as of right now. Right. Okay. When you won't even, like, like I was thinking, oh, for Valentine's Day, you could back one of the ones I want, but... It's like two games. Nope. Well, what about, I think, Fruticola is worth it. Fruticola! <laughs> yeah, that one's uh, that one's getting pondered, yeah. Or I saw today, uh, Board Game Geek, the, like, upgraded tokens for um, Cracks of Quedlinburg are back in stock, and I want those suckers bad. I can just buy another copy of the game, and it'd be like... Uh, buying those bits but it's not but but we play the game we have and i want it to play even better those bits feel really good in your hand they'll get stuck down the corner of the bag we can just put the bits in a cup you have denied me so many shaped meeples you're right i'm i'm clearly the antichrist let's not get sacrilegious okay (laughs) the board game antichrist i mean you do have 666 tattooed on your butt cheek and i don't know how i got there but hey, now we don't talk about my butt cheeks on this podcast. <laughs> you started, you started getting weird with the Antichrist talk. <laughs> All right, and uh, let's move on to the last bit of news, which is huge. And I would be completely remiss if I didn't mention that Kanban EV is out on Kickstarter, and we all love us and Uncle Vital. And with Uncle Vital, is the illustrious Eno Tool is doing the uh, artwork on this, which I mean, it looks pretty. Don't get me wrong. His artwork is cool. I wonder if he has a tattoo on his butt cheek. Uncle Vital or Eno Tool? Well, either. I mean. I would get a tattoo on my butt cheek designed by Eno Tool. (laughs) (laughs) Because he makes makes amazing artwork. Uh, And and tattoos don't hurt that much on your butt cheek because the fat doesn't hurt like bone does. I I know nothing about tattoos on my butt cheek. That's a little pro tip. The podcast within the podcast. Oh. Where to get tattoos. Bringing that back. Butt cheek tattoo talk. (laughs) With Katie. (laughs) (laughs) 
So Kanban EV, uh, the EV has to do with, uh, it's like electric cars are part of this now. Because, you know, Uncle Vital is very concerned about the environment. That he is. Updated it and got his electric cars going in his factory. Um, It's also like a deluxified edition. So there's all these amazing, like, three-dimensional bits. He's got the shaped meeples, man. Everything looks so good. It's um, now plays one to four players because there has been a solo mode design for it. Um, VTEL also designed a speed charger expansion, which you can use some of your like extra shifts to buy these like kind of persistent powers to use in it. Um, like the components look amazing. Obviously, it's Kanban. So we all know how I feel about Kanban after last week. But there are many of you who love Kanban. So if you want this pimped out version that is also environmentally conscious and a tattoo designed by Eno Tool to put on your butt cheek, there are six days left of the Kickstarter and it's $99 for that standard edition. I'm out. I know. I have the old busted one. I'll just play that. And I don't even like it. So, you know. Right. Yeah. So I'm not going to spend $100 on a game that you don't even like. Right. When you only spend, you know, 42 on some tokens I want. I can just rebuy the game. We can go over that whole thing again if you missed what I said earlier. Why would you rebuy the game when you already have it? Because <laughs> it has new tokens in it. So you're going to... That's not the problem. You have backup tokens. I don't tokens. care about tokens wearing out. The problem is that they get stuck down in the corners of the bag. I already said we can put them in a cup. We already hashed you know this nothing. out. We already hashed this out. All right. So we're bringing back the gaming glossary. Um, this week, we're only going to do two. Because we're trying to uh, not have three-hour-long episodes, so we're trying to speed this along a little bit. So the first one I'm going to talk about, well, the only one I'm going to talk about today is real-time games. And I know Katie loves real-time games. They're like some of her favorite <laughs> games. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but what a real-time game is, essentially, is a game that everyone's playing at the same time. They're kind of frantic. There's usually a time limit of some sort. Um, you're usually under the gun to try to get things done before the buzzer goes off. Three games that I put down that I've played, because I don't play a ton of these, is Captain Sonar. This is a team game where players are piloting a submarine. You're doing things in the submarine trying to kill the other players in the submarine. It's chaotic and crazy. Not a fan. Fuse, which is a dice rolling game where you're trying to get certain symbols on these dice to match these symbols on the cards to try to get through as many cards as you can before the time runs out. And Escape, the Curse of the Hidden Temple or something like that. I don't know what the subtitle is. This is my favorite one of all of them. I actually like Escape. You're playing for 10 minutes. You're trying to get as many jewels as you can in this um, temple, I guess. And you're trying to get out before time is up and the temple collapse. So that's real time. Those are some examples. I'm not a fan of real time, but it is a pretty popular mechanism. So we wanted to cover it. I don't I don't mind real time. I think the only one I've ever really played is Captain Sonar. And it was fun. Uh, it's, I mean. Yeah, it's, it's not my thing. I don't, I don't like it. Too chaotic. Right. You're the one that doesn't like it. Yeah, I really don't like it. Right, And there is one real-time game that we actually do own, and that is London Dread. Half the game's in real-time, half of it's I was not. just thinking about that, and I thought how much I, I was like, you know what? I thought London Dread was real-time, but Jason never mentioned it. But I'm like, well, it's programming, so maybe it's not real-time. It's real-time programming, yeah. it's Yeah, it's weird. I like that game. Yeah, me too. So there's two of the four on this list that I like. I'm just not good at London Dread. I don't think you understand London Dread, which I, I, I can't don't. figure out why it's so difficult for you. It's not that hard. I don't. It makes you feel real dumb. Let's live play it. That'd be fine because it's a co-op, so neither one of us are going to lose. Or we'll both lose. We either both win or we both lose. We won last time. That's true. We did. not We even played it wrong. Did we? Yeah, because we didn't do the dice rolling at the end the right way. 
Oh, that's like we did do. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to talk about a, a type of game that I really do not like. And I know after last week, you all think that there are way more games I dislike than games I like. But that's not true. Um, and that's dexterity games. Oh, dexterity games. Okay. So dexterity games are where you use dexterous actions and skill to outplay or outlast other players. So by dexterous, you're usually using your hands or other kinds of body parts to accomplish kind of like difficult activities. Sometimes some more difficult than others. Um, I hate these games so much that I picked several examples, none of which I've ever played, <laughs> nor will I ever play them. I've played one of your examples. So my examples are Rhino Hero, where you're stacking cards in that one, I believe. Oh, yes. oh, I have played I have played one dexterity game. Unicorn Glitter Luck Cloud Stacking Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a child's game, but it has really, like, and I pr- would probably play Animal, Hall, Animal Upon Animal as well. Because they're really chunky wooden bits that you stack up, and, and I like the way they feel in my hands, the tactileness of them, and I can kind of stack them. Not very well, but I still can. Um, Crokinole is another one that everyone's wild about for some reason, and it looks completely stupid to me. Uh, Ice Cool is like all the rage with those penguins. Yep. And Flick 'em Up is another like huge one that people are into. I do not play dexterity games because I have no chance of winning. And that may seem shallow, but I find that why would I enter into a, a competition that there is no way I could ever win? And so the entire time I'll be frustrated and annoyed and angry because it's an exercise in futility. The reason I cannot win these games is because I'm a complete klutz. Legitimately. Yeah. I mean, the reason I don't like these games because there's no tracks and no nobles, so I'm out. Well, yeah, or cubes. Or cubes. I mean, you can flick some, them. You can flick some cubes sometimes. That's true, but you're not trying to get them anywhere. That's true. That is true. I yeah, I'm just such a klutz. Like I bungle everything. I you know trip over air. I will knock anything over. It's just I can't. So the games that require like this precision and skill with your hands or, or whatever, no, I. can't. I know, so I won't do it. Yeah, I, I just don't want to play them because I don't like it. It's not it's not fun for me. I played paper football in high school and junior <laughs> right. high. I'm over that. I mean, that's essentially what I think of when I think of flick them up is paper football, and I, I don't want to play that. Yeah, I agree. It uh, Yeah. there. I know there are tons of people that love dexterity games, and you know what? Good for you. You know what? You, you have the hands of a surgeon. You go for it. <laughs> I... Uh, I'm out. Yeah. Fat finger is out. Yep. I'm not a fan. All right. So dexterity and real time are gaming glossary terms for the night. All right. So this week's call is not only from a member of the riveted, but it's also from a really awesome game designer who's designed a few games that we really enjoy. Black Orchestra, Revolution. Spirits yes. of the Rice Paddy, and yes. one that we're going to talk about in a little bit, and his name is Philip Dewberry. PDB. Uh, yep, affectionately known on this podcast as PDB, just because it's easier to say and more fun. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I had a cool nickname. <laughs> so he called in, he told us about a couple games that he's playing, and he's going to plug a, an upcoming Kickstarter that he's relaunching that we'll talk about a little bit because there's a video on our channel. So without further ado, 
Let's listen to PDB. Talk about some games. Take it away, PDB. Hey, Board Game Mechanics. This is Philip DeBerry. And um, I just wanted to stop by and tell you about a couple of games that I've been playing recently. So one of them is uh, a game by Freeman Freeze called Fool. And it's a, a quick trick, trick-taking game. Um, it's for four to eight players. And this is really an interesting game if you have um, <clears throat> a big group of people or, um, I don't know, if you have people that just want to kind of sit around and a little bit more casual of, a, of an experience. And so what you're doing is you're trying to get rid of the cards in your hand. And uh, But the trick is you can't play the lowest card. If you play the lowest card, then you get to be the fool for the next round and you can't play the next round and get rid of another card. So you just want to make sure that you play just a little bit better than everybody else the whole time, and then there's a little bit of scoring at the end, and it's just kind of fun. And there's all kinds of these fun little moments that happen during the game, and uh, it's a really small, pocket-sized little thing. And so I recommend this one. It's called Fool by Friedman Freeze. Then another game I've been playing recently is Unmatched. This comes from Restoration Games, and uh, this is basically a remake of the old classic Epic Duels, uh, which had all kinds of Star Wars people in it fighting each other. Um, and it was just sort of a quick little uh, fighting game, which I just sort of fell in love with many years ago. And so now I've got the uh, the this remake called Unmatched. And uh, in this one, they've uh, put in several different characters. Uh, they put in Medusa, Sinbad, um, Alice in Wonderland, and King Arthur. Just sort of a weird collection of different people. Um and yet it sort of works. It's kind of neat how they've done it. And they've revamped the system a little bit. And the old Epic Duels, you had attack cards and defense cards. And you'd kind of play you know, attack card face down. And your opponent would play one face down a defense card. You'd flip them over. And let's say if your attack was five and your, the defense was three, you'd cause two damage. Well, it still sort of works that way. But now they have this third kind of card um, that's sort of a, pur- a purple card that works both ways. So it can be attack or defense. Which is nice because, you know, you don't want to just be stuck out there with no defense and all attack cards and vice versa. So it gives you a little bit of uh, more ability to kind of make better decisions. And uh, and then there's all kinds of special cards that move you around in different kind of ways. And each they've done a really good job of making each of the different characters unique. Uh, there's lots of expansions to this. I haven't gotten into all the expansions yet, but... Um, my kids and I, we all uh, really enjoy playing uh, this one, and it's really quick and easy. Uh, even my re- my younger kids can kind of get into it a little bit, even if they can't really read all the stuff that happens. It's still kind of fun to play. But anyway, so that one's also one that we've been playing lately. So then I just wanted to mention um, that uh, my game Square Meal is going to be relaunched on Kickstarter on February the 17th. And if you're hearing this after February 17th, it is on uh, Kickstarter right now. And so uh, just head on over there. My goal is lower this time, so I've got, I think, a better chance of uh, actually funding. Um, I'm also including two free expansions. So the way the game works is you get get three different um, cards, three different ingredients cards. So they are divided into um, nine different ingredients on each card, sort of in a grid. And then you get a challenge card that you're trying to make a pattern. So you're taking these three cards and you're rotating them, you're flipping them, and uh, you're kind of uh, overlapping them to make the pattern on the cards. So that's what Square Meal is all about, and it's kind of a race to do that. 
and there's points for uh, getting the different challenge cards. So anyway, if you're into a quick kind of uh, play at a restaurant kind of meal, uh, check out Square Meal uh, on Kickstarter. Thanks. So PDB actually mentioned two games that I have not played, although I think I have friends who've played Fool. I've heard of it before. Um, card game. I like trick-taking games on principle, but since I since I live in Ohio, um, I have euchre in my veins. So if I'm going to play a trick-taking game, it's going to be euchre, and I don't I don't like when it gets too messy. Um, but I would give Fool a try because it, it sounds like it's like a fun kind of casual like party type game and then unmatched i actually just watched an episode of um dice tower where they were comparing unmatched to um funk the funkoverse games which i have one of those and have we have one of the funkoverse games i haven't played it yet but i i like the idea of you know pitting these different people um like legends and heroes against each other and seeing how things work out so um i'd like to give both these a try because he seems like he really likes us, so that's cool. Yeah, I'd probably play Fool, but, I mean, we have Funko, so I don't need the other one. But, yeah, Fool seems all right. So the last game that he talked about is his own game that's going to be back on Kickstarter on February 17th called Square Meal. So I did a video for this when it was on Kickstarter the first time, and this game is a really fun puzzle. Uh, it made me feel super dumb. Um, and I even told Philip that it made me feel dumb and he laughed at me and thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is a, it's, it's like a, it's like a cool spatial manipulation game where you're trying to put, you have like three cards and you're trying to match the cards together to try to form this pattern of foods. So you can score points. You can play it solo just against these challenge cards or try to get the challenge cards to just have some fun. So if you like cool little puzzle games, uh, this one's. Really fun. Uh, you can check out our video if you want to. And it's going to be on Kickstarter February 17. It's super cheap. It was 19 bucks before. Um, so it's worth 19 And he's excluding, including some expansions yeah. this time, he said. Two expansions, cool. I think. Yeah, which is pretty neat. So I thought it looked really neat. Like, I liked the artwork a lot. Um, I just wasn't allowed to play this one because you would, I get enraged yeah, you would have hated when I it. have to spatially yeah. manipulate yeah. anything. Yeah, it would have made you real mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's a fun game but it would have been irritating for you for sure and surprisingly after 13 years jason has decided let's not poke the bear and make katie play games that will make her angry yeah that's true i know kind of what games to keep you away, keep away from you and this is definitely one of them but for those yeah, of you but, that aren't katie go check it out right yeah so definitely support pdb awesome awesome person great uh game designer so check out square meal on kickstarter next week Right, and let's move on to talk about Jason's favorite segment. Oh yeah, games played. And what's your first one, babe? All right, so I got some. Uh, I played some interesting games this week, but I'm only going to talk about two because, again, I'm trying to be under three hours. So the first game Probably. that I played is from R and R Games, and no, it's not uh, that stupid horse racing game that I can't even remember the name of now. It's not that one. Home stretch. Home stretch. Home stretch. Yes. <laughs> it's not. We home don't stretch. have that one. We do not have that. This one's called Humboldt's Great Voyage. Um, long name, unnecessarily so, I guess. Is Humboldt a real person? Do we know? Uh, there's a story about it in the book, but I didn't read that because who cares? I. <laughs> you care, but I don't care. So you can read it if you want to. <laughs> I think he is an actual person, though. I, I think I did read that. 
So what this game is, it's essentially a Mancala game. So it, like five tribes, games like that, you're taking pieces off of a section and you're dropping them off other sections to collect goods. The way that it works is you're going to, there are six different color pieces. And if you can drop a piece on the section of the board that matches that color, you get to collect a good of that color to put on your ship to try to fill your ship with the appropriate colored goods to score points. Uh, and then every time it's the other player's turn, after their turn is over, you get to collect two of the tokens from one of the areas that they visited as long as there's four or more. And these tokens are going to let you get these companions in one of the six different colors. And you're going to score 10 points for every four different companions that you have. So you can get 20, 30, 40 points in companions based on how many you can get. So just a set collection game and a Mancala game. But super fun. Plays in about... 35 to 40 minutes at two players. That's all I played it at. But I had a good time. So Humboldt's Great Voyage, good times. I'm assuming, like I looked, and there's two, a, a, a pair of brothers, Humboldt, who were German. There's two guys um, on the cover too, so that makes sense. Well, so one is a, a German scientist. I'm assuming this is one, Alexander, Baron Alexander von Humboldt, who made important scientific explorations in Central and South America. And then wrote like a treatise called in Co- called Cosmos, and he did like a comprehensive description of the physical universe. His brother, Carl Wilhelm von Humboldt, was a phil- philo- philologist, an educational reformer. I don't think that's either of them because this is about traveling around and shipping goods. Yeah, the German naturalist. He explored Central and South America. Oh, well, there you, you don't go. think that's him? Yeah, because that would be the those are the places that we were visiting. So yes, that makes sense. Okay, thank you. I was like, I really think that that's Alex. Yeah, I think it's. Oh, there's an Alexander von Humboldt. It doesn't matter. Prussian polymath. I don't know. Anyway, I think it is based on a real person. It's an old dead guy who traveled around and did things. Fine. <laughs> there you go. All right. I did not play that one, obviously. Uh, I'm going to talk about one that I did play oh, man. called Monster. It's so good. Called Monster Mayhem. And uh, have you done a video for this already, babe? Yes, no? I did. Yes. And it's out there? Yes. It is posted. Okay. So check out the video. Um, this is like, a, so it's a party game yes. where you're, each person is like a monster. And then you have this, uh, like you get a, a dial that has negative, a few negative points, and then positive points. And um, as monsters, you're faced with these different kind of situational like dilemmas um where everyone has a token and like one side is like yes um go left and left are you sure it's left or right yeah either way i think it's right and then the other side is no stay left and so each situation presents you with like a dilemma and you use your like token to choose if you're and and which and one of those things will come up like yes i want to stay or no like or yes, I want to go, or no, I want to stay. Um, just basic, yes, I want to do this action. No, I don't. I'm going to go to the left, or I'm going to go to the right. And so, like, based on what everyone votes is kind of how you score points. So, for example, one dilemma was um, there's a bridge made of stone and, like, a rickety bridge next to it. And so um, you choose if you take the left bridge, which is the solid bridge, or the right bridge, which is the rickety bridge. Now, if you take the solid bridge... You're going to make it across, no problem. One point. Everybody who does gets one point. If you go across the rickety bridge, you could potentially get four points 
unless um, more than 50 percent go across more than half of your group goes on the rickety bridge. Then it collapses and you get like negative points or something. So you don't quite know how everybody else is going to vote. You know, you kind of try to outthink each other. It's the whole Vinzini thing, which is from Princess Bride. No one's seen that movie. Or for those of you who are lay people, Prisoner's Dilemma. There you go. (laughs) I had never heard Prisoner's Dilemma before. I've never heard that expression before. Oh, that's the one I'm way more familiar with. I have never heard that before. And I'm a fairly, I feel like I'm a fairly educated person. I don't know. But it's full of those kinds of things like, okay, you know that I want to go here, but I know that you know that I want to go here. So that because I know that I'm not going to go there, but you know that I know that you know that I'm going to go there, but I'm not going to go there. So it's that whole like, how are we going to like strategize this out? But just in like a kind of lighthearted way, um, I won this game, so I like it. Oh, I like it too. It's awesome. <laughs> it's it's like push your luck, sort of. But yeah, it's so kinda, it can be it. kind of stressful a little bit. With the decisions you have to make, I got a little freaked out. I don't know. But it was fun. It was good. So that's Monster Mayhem. Uh, watch Jason's video. Look for it. Is it com- It's coming to Kickstarter, yeah? Uh, yeah, sometime. May- March or April, yeah. Okay, so uh, check it out if that sounds fun for you and your group. My favorite room, though, going back to this, is the one where there was that treasure chest. And if you <laughs> if you looked in the treasure chest, if you didn't look in the treasure chest, you got a point. But if you looked in it, then you had to flip a coin and the treasure chest could have exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is yes awesome. right so like you could say yeah it's a treasure chest but there's no possible way i can know it's like a 50 percent chance of it being treasure or it exploding yeah. on you that was so awesome but i chose to look and it didn't explode that was awesome <laughs> yeah good times so a less stressful game that i played is called kanagawa and it's from say it like that kanagawa kanichiwa Kanagawa. Don't make fun of me. And this is from Yellow. It's from Bruno Catala and Chevrolet or Charles Chevrolet. I don't know what his last name is, but look, it looks like Chevrolet. I doubt it's Chevrolet. <laughs> it's not Chevrolet. Chevalier, Chevalier, Chevrolet. I don't know. He's French. But what this game is, is you are an apprentice artist and you're trying to paint these awesome landscapes. That have seasons on them and maybe some... Which are from Kanagawa, which is a, like a coastal right. area in Japan. Right. And you're trying to paint these these landscapes that have people. They might have trees. They could have animals on them. They could have nothing. But they all have a season at the top. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to paint um, different amounts of each of the, the types of things to score these points, these point tiles. Um, there's more to it than that, but you're just trying to score point tiles by painting that. And you're also trying to take the card either to use it as a painting or use it to develop your studio, which is where you're going to move these little brush tokens around to basically gather the type of colors that are needed to paint certain landscapes and sceneries. Um, it's pretty chill. It has some cool drafting too, where you're going to have some cards that are face up and some that are face down. So you don't always know exactly what you're getting. You have an idea because the back of the card tells you what kind of card that it is. But you don't know what's on the other side, which is kind of interesting. Uh, we didn't figure I, I screwed up some of the in-game scoring. So we had way higher scores than we should have. But it was still fun. I enjoyed it. So that's Kanegawa. Yeah, it was really pretty. Uh, I might give it another go with a more comprehensive idea of the rules. But... I didn't really like it. It's Bruno Cathala and Charles Chevalier. See, it's like Chevalier. I told you. It's Jade Mosh. 
The art's good. I do like the art. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I'm a sucker for a Japanese-themed game, but um, I don't know. It was okay. I liked it. I feel it like, was fun. I feel like there are other games that have like kind of a similar mechanic that I like better. So Yeah. It was all right. You're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Of course not. Let's not get uh, carried away. Come on. Hey, hey, hey. When you're right, you're right. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I guess it's true. <laughs> Grandma rears her head in the podcast again. <laughs> If she will never ever <laughs> listen to this, like I mean, never. Like, no, I, there's more I chance of my sister. Yeah, yeah. W- listening to this than my grandma. <laughs> um. So the last game I want to talk about, I actually mentioned this on um my last installment of my top 100 games of all time. Just gonna plug my own video. If you haven't seen that, check it out on uh, YouTube. I'm getting a little bit longer winded. When I get to the games I really love, so I'm trying to work on that. Um, and so this week I will be filming my top 10. Um, but this was in my last, my numbers 24 to 11. And 10. that is Elise. No, 24 through 10A. Let's get it right. Well, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Fine. So it is Elysium. I really like Elysium because, like I mentioned in my video, I love the theme. Um, I think it's got like really a really neat me- mechanism for drafting. You've got the cards laid out in a tableau in like the market and you can pick whatever you want. They each have a cost of these of colors and you've got these four columns that have four different colors on them. And so then you draft a card if you have the required colors, but then after each draft, you must get rid of one of your pillars. So you're looking ahead to see, okay, what cards left that I need? What colors do I need for those? While also saying, okay, I have to pick like a turn order here to then be able to start taking the cards I have and moving them into my Elysium, which is my scoring area. Uh, so, and then I also need money is kind of key to moving them to Elysium. So I want to get some money too. Uh, just lots of things going on in it. I did terrible. I played the worst I've ever played in my life. I like, I don't know. I couldn't, we played with one of like a, a God from the Pantheon I didn't like. Uh, I couldn't move anybody into my Elysium. I forgot what round we were on and I was like, crap, all my scoring like cards are not in Elysium. It was awful, but I still really love the game. So that's Elysium. Yeah. Check it out if you haven't. It's good. I, yeah, I beat you by a lot. And that's, it was, t- that it was terrible. Yeah. Like I have never played that bet in my life. Yeah, it was rough. Like I, it's like we were playing live or something. I know. I felt like it. I'm like, am I getting punked right now? Like, where's the camera? Where's the camera? Because I feel like that's what's happening. It was awful. Yeah, it was It was rough for you for sure. Yeah, but losing track of the round is really going to do you in because you need to make sure on the last round you get a bunch of people down to the Elysium and all that. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, that's a good game. I agree. All right. And those are the games we played. All right. So... Last week, y'all got to hear me go ranting about all the games that I can't stand that Jason wants to play and how I would set them on fire and throw them off of our roof. Yeah, I'm nicer. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm just going to let you talk about games you love and I will just smile and nod. Oh, barely. Okay. So this week, I wanted to do the opposite where we talk about games that I really like to play and games that Jason hates. The problem is... Jason, I don't want to say he's apathetic, 
but he just doesn't have as strong emotions as I do. So these are games that I love that Jason just barely tolerates. <laughs> that I'm just <laughs> like I don't know how else to put it. I'm mad about man. Yeah, he's just meh. <laughs> All right. So and and really the reason that he's meh about these is because they're very like for the most part particular types of games he doesn't like. Which I guess the same could be said for the why I didn't like the games I liked last. There week. is one game on this list that I hate. And we'll get to it. And I do hate this game. Not the first one, not the second one, and not the fourth one. So I'll let you guys figure out which one it is. But I hate it. I hate it a lot. Okay, so let's start with my first one. My first game that I love, that Jason is like, eh, is Consulting Detective. I love Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. I want to play it right now. I always want to play this game. Because for me, it is, it's, and I think people would say, well, it's not even a game, which I'm okay with. It's an experience, but it is deductive. You are Sherlock Holmes. You have got this. Well, you're not Sherlock Holmes. You're working kind of with him. But you get to take the role of Sherlock Holmes because you are, you know, talking to suspects. You're finding witnesses. You're going to the crime scene. You're talking. I mean, everything you can think of. You're checking out shops where things might have been made. Like you're following your own leads. Oh my gosh, it's so good, so thematic. I love this game so much. Yeah. Why do you not like it? Um, so have you ever had um like where you pick up a boring book and then you're three hours into the boring book and then you realize that all along the way you're supposed to be reading another book? That's what I feel like about Consulting Detective. Like what? no matter what I'm reading, I feel like I'm not reading the right thing because I'm going to the wrong place. The game takes too long. It was like three and a half hours for reading and looking at a map. My eyes were going cross-eyed. I don't know. It's just too long. Too- but you're solving a crime. I wasn't solving a crime. I was reading 12 paragraph excerpts in a book that I didn't even need to read because I was going to the wrong places to ask the wrong people the questions. But you have to chase all the leads. You don't. So you can know Sherlock doesn't chase not. all the leads. That's because he's Sherlock Holmes, Okay. I don't know. It's just not. Just, it's just not for me. Like it, it basically kind of feels like a choose your own adventure book, but really long. And I, I don't know. I, I didn't like it. Do you like choose your own adventure books? When I was in fifth grade. Well, well, like this is a fifth grade reading level game. Sure. I know, but I don't want to read it at a fifth grade level. I don't want to read it all. I'm saying it's not a fifth grade <laughs> level. It is something for adults. Oh my gosh! It's a good thing we record in separate rooms. <laughs> Cause I be throwing things at you right now. Uh, we should probably. I can't believe you hit this game. We should probably move on to number two. All right, so that's my number one. Sherlock Holmes, consulting detective. Number two, Jason doesn't like this game because he's a party pooper, and that game is Monikers. Also, the homebrew version is called Celebrity. It's a game in Mon- the Monikers version, which has been published, and I've mentioned it before in our party game segment, our episode. There are cards with different types of people, sometimes other kinds of entities. So like Puxatawney Phil, Marie Antoinette, um, Lance Armstrong. Uh, Humboldt. I don't think Humboldt's in there, but now if he does come up, I'll know. <laughs> You'll know who he is. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Who did I have? Oh, Jareth, the Goblin King, who nobody knew last time I played. And I was completely shocked at their lack of good movie knowledge. So they come out, you put a deck together 
Um, five cards from each person. You divide into teams. Each team um, is going to try to get their teammates to guess what's on the card over the course of three rounds. Each round, you get people to guess in different ways. First round, any say anything you want to get them to guess it. Second round, you can only say one word. Last round, charades. I love it. It's fun. People are laughing. There's pop culture stuff. Um, inside jokes get formed. It's a good time. I love monikers. All right, go. The last round is the reason that I don't like this game. I will play party games. I played Monster Mayhem. I played that Night of the Mummy game. I will play some party games when I don't have to get up from my seat and act out stupid things arbitrarily for no reason at all when I could just sit down. It's not stupid. And I don't understand. Like, what's the big deal? Like, what? I... Like, what's so terrible about acting out? It's just not something that I think is fun. It's because you are self-conscious. It's probably true. It's probably not the fault of the game. It's all my (laughs) issue. I understand that. psychologically analyze you and say why you don't like this game. It's just like, if this was was only the first two phases of the game, I would probably play it. Because I think that's more interesting. But the acting out, that's where you lose me. I don't know. Honestly, the charades one, I thought, like, it didn't last very long. Everyone just did a couple. It was like, no big deal. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, not, but not for me. I am amazing at the charades round, so I guess that's why. All right, so that's my number two is Monikers. So fun. Great party game if you're not a stick in the mud. My number three. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I don't agree with you guys to respond. My number three is a game that Jason actually, I think, truly hates. I do hate this and game so much. he hates it because he's being a big super baby about it because I this game is really fun. Yeah, And that game so is fun. Quest for Eldorado. So fun. I had so much fun getting stuck for eight turns. So Quest so for Eldorado. Stop. It's not your turn to complain yet. Quest for Eldorado is like a racing type game, I would say. Yeah, deck builder racing game. Yeah. Yeah. So you're deck building a little deck to help your explorer guy move through like the mountains and the jungle and to get to Eldorado. Now, when we played this, Jason got stuck at towards the beginning. What he has always failed to mention is that I was the person that was stuck in front of him. So I was stuck too. I did not do it on purpose. I also got stuck. So I was stuck for a long number of rounds myself. Did I let that turn me into a spiteful, bitter, angry troll about this game? No, I did not because I went on to win the game. So I don't understand why that one instance made it such a terrible experience. The fact that I could get stuck automatically makes me hate this. There's no reason in a game like this, designed by Mr. MathWiz himself, Reiner Knizia, that he can't think of a way that I'm allowed to go around or go backwards or spend two cards as a wild to be able to go through a different type of terrain so I'm not stuck behind somebody else who is stuck and I'm watching everybody else get to El Dorado and I'm still on the first flipping tile... There's no reason for that. It's unacceptable. But again, like it's not like it stopped the game. It's not like it was one thing that broke the game and you had no chance of winning because I proved that to be false. So it really isn't that big of a deal in the scheme of things. Like I don't I don't I, I don't understand. You can keep saying these these words, but I'm pretty set in my ways on this one. It's irrational. It might be irrational, but I hate this game. I don't hate well, we many don't games, but I hate this one. I mean, we own two out of the four on this list, which is surprising since you tend to be the curator of our collection. Um, and so if you don't like a game, we usually don't ever have it, even despite if I really want it or like it. <laughs> that is true. 
so, ultimate, ultimate veto power. <laughs> I know. Like, there's games I really want that I know you'll never buy. <sighs> you don't know that. Just like, yes. Near and far. You gonna buy it? That's what I thought. <laughs> that silence says everything, people. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, we'll just admire that one from afar. Or near. Uh, oh, it's so <laughs> hilarious. Way to rub it in that we don't have it, you jerk. Oh, man, I am hilarious. Yeah, whatever. Okay, and uh, the fourth game I want to talk about, we were, like, cruising right along, man. I know. It's awesome. It's because you don't have as much hate for anything as I do. I hated that last one. Well, we can keep talking about it. I can keep railing on it if you want. No, because you have one one piece of supposed evidence against it, and I have proven that to be... Completely ridiculous and unfounded, so there's no point. The number four uh, game, I really liked this game when I played it, and I really wish we owned it because I love its, like, not predecessor, but its brother kind of game, I guess, and that's Between Two Castles. Um, I love Castles of Mad King Ludwig, love that game. It's fun. I love to build the castle, have all the fun, cute, cool rooms. You know, the idea of being a master builder and setting the price for everything. Um, that's so fun to me. So Between Two Castles is nice because it takes out a little bit of, like, the kind of AP that sometimes can happen. I think, especially when you're the master or architect or something, master builder. I don't remember. Master builder. In... Um, castles of making the leg because you have much less choices you're just drawing these tiles straight out of the box which also is another awesome thing about this is that the inserts you just pull right out and you go set about playing with the pieces in there which is so great um and you are working on building a castle with the person either side of you but it's not like you want to you know make one castle really terrible because your final score is the lowest score of the two castles so you're pulling tiles you're drafting you're trying to, to decide okay what's going to work best for this castle between me and this person and then maybe for me and this other person um i i don't love cooperative games but it's kind of nice with a game like castles to have somebody else to like bounce the ideas off of and um to kind of make up especially for me the lack I kind of have sometimes in spatial manipulation games where, okay, where can this really go to maximize points and stuff? Cause I'm not, I'm not as good at that. Um, so I really like this game a lot. Uh, okay. So the thing I don't really like about this is the way that co-op works. I would almost rather it be all co-op or not co-op at all. To where you build one castle together. Yes. Everybody. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's just something about, Having to deal with someone who is trying to build a castle with me and also building a castle with someone else. And then I'm building a castle with them and someone else. I, I, I don't know. I just want to either work with it's one. It's not like you're betraying somebody. No, I know. But I either want to just work with one person to build the best castle we can build. Or I want to work by myself and build the best castle I can build. Or I want us all to work together to build an awesome castle to try to win the game. I don't want to do this. I'll play with a couple people. You'll play with a couple people, and we'll see what happens. I, I don't know. I just didn't like it. It was it was funky to me. I, I can't understand that. I told you. I mean, it's it doesn't have to be logical why I don't like it. I, I guess not. Don't like because it. I can't, I, there is no logic in this at all. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't understand why that you're working with two people is a problem. I think it's loyalty issues. <laughs> 
<laughs> maybe. Maybe that's Welcome it. to Psychoanalysis, the podcast in the podcast <laughs> by Katie. Uh, first... Come lay down on the couch and let's talk about <laughs> your deep-seated issues that uh, then spill over into your choices for board games. I, I didn't hate this game. I just don't ever want to play it because I didn't like that. I didn't like the way that the co-op worked. I, I thought the game was okay. If it wasn't the co-op the way that it was, I would play it again. I just, I don't know, something about that, I don't know, I just didn't like it. I can't even explain it. It was just weird. Was it a bad experience? No, it was a fine experience. I think I actually did pretty pretty okay when I played. It was just... Who did you play with? I played it... I didn't play with you. Maybe it was because I played it as three players. I played it with Jim and Kim, and it was only three players. Maybe that's a difference. I I don't see why it would be, because I'm still playing with two people. I, I don't know. It's Yeah, I played it with four... So there is one person, like Keener, was the one person that I did not play with, which was good because I wanted to. I always want to beat him because uh, he, yeah. it's fun. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just, I just don't like that mechanism. It wasn't cool to me. Huh. All right. So that's my that's my four games that I love, and Jason is like eh about. So, Consulting Detective, Monikers, Quest for El Dorado, In Between Two Castles, and we have a few honorable mentions that Jason. I don't know that he hates but he definitely takes a big fat pass on them yeah this, and the first one this first one is, i'm i'm pretty passing on yeah is dungeons and dragons i have been playing D, you know since i was in elementary school reading the books i mean all kinds of stuff i love that high fantasy stuff imagination i love it it's so fun but it's something that my husband will not share with me yeah so for some reason so imagine if you're playing consulting detective and, oh and you're, you're reading these paragraphs and then all of a sudden you're just supposed to arbitrarily roll some dice to see if what you read was true or not or if you're going to get attacked arbitrary. by the, you're going to get attacked by some imaginary monster imagine that that sounds great yes it does it's not <laughs> arbitrary dice rolling it has a reason and it does sound fun <laughs> It's because you have no imagination. That's true. I know. This is on me, too. Most of these are on because, me. I understand that. Because for me, like, D&D and Consulting Detective, it's, like, super immersive. Like, I'm in the world, and I'm having this great experience, and there are other people there with me, and we're, like, adventuring and doing things that, you know, I've always wanted to do, but I can't do in real life. Like, I love that. And you just won't. I won't do it. Nope. All right. Another one is Deception Murder in Hong Kong. I love this game. It's a party game for sure. And, um, but we, I talked about this when we, I think pretty sure when we talk about party games. Yeah, I think so. Somebody did. Yeah. I really like this game. It's super fun. Again, that whole deduction type stuff. Uh, but you do not like that. I, I think I'm just done with it. I played it a couple times and that's enough for me. I don't feel like we played it that much. That's what I don't understand. I've played it like many times without you, actually. So I'm not sure why you're so over it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe if we play the expansion, I'll like it a little more. Because at one point, the forensic sci investigator, whatever, the guy, the person the person that gives the clues, they can become okay. a traitor and be working with the the murderer. That could, I don't like that. That could be cool. I think that might be fun. But No, in the name of science, why would I ever do that? Why, why are there corrupt scientists? I mean, come on. That's a real life thing. If I'm the forensic investigator which or scientist, which I usually am, I will not betray my 
calling. It's terrible. Uh, the next game is Hero Realms, which I love. It's a deck builder. Um, again, we I like Hero Realms better than Star Realms because I hate space. And I like the high fantasy theme of Hero Realms. Also, like I think thematically it's super great that as my character, I have the this equipment and these things that are special to me. Um, it doesn't hurt that I stomp you into the ground every time we play it either. That's true. I I like the concept of this game. I like the deck building. I think the deck building is super fun. But I'm just not... I think I've moved on from the attacking and trying to kill people games. So maybe the co-op version of this I might like. Yeah, we do have like the co-op like kind of campaign type version or yeah, something. Yeah, You're fighting like some big bosses or something. Um which I would love to play. Like I don't. I don't necessarily feel like I need to attack the other person I'm playing with. Um, I'm okay with co-op, no matter what form it takes. Uh, but we just haven't played it yet because I think you're not a big fan of Hero Realms, so it's like why bring that out again? But yeah, we'll bring it up eventually. Eventually. Another game that I really liked, and I think it's because I love that detective solving. I feel like there's a theme here. Uh, it's Chronicles of Crime. And I thought you might like this game because it's like consulting detective in some ways, but you don't, there's not a lot of reading. You're scanning QR codes and the game is like the app is talking to you and showing you pictures and stuff. Yeah. I, I like this more than consulting detective. I will, I will say that, but I think it just felt like an, an app. It just felt like I was playing an app with a superfluous board. I want to play a board game with a board, not if I want to play an app game, I'll just go sit on the couch and play an app game. I don't, I don't know. I didn't like, I didn't, I wanted it to be more fun than it was, I guess. That was my hesitation. Well, on this and one. So to be fair, we only played like one game of it. Yeah, we played one scenario. We, yeah. We didn't get into the other scenarios, and I think that was kind of the star scenario. So I'd like to try it again. And also, they've got some cool, like, new expansions coming out for it that we're hoping to try and preview. So yeah, we have, we actually have 1400 on the way. So we definitely have to get this one back out. So, we, so hopefully yeah. that might change. We'll, we'll report back after we play it if I still hate <laughs> it or if I like it. Right. And the last one of my kind of honorable mentions um, that Jason has kind of meant about is Charterstone. We have not played very far into it. Maybe like six scenarios or something. Uh, or yeah, whatever. I don't know. I thought Chapters. we were on like four, but yeah. Maybe four. I don't know. Maybe it's four. I really liked it. I think the artwork is so cute and... I am okay with like being patient and seeing what's going to come out next. And, you know, we just kind of slow ball it and that's fine. Um, cause we're having a good time, hanging out with our friends, making up the names of our towns and little areas. And, you know, I, I liked that. I thought it was, you know, quaint and I, I'm excited to see how it gets better if we ever play it again. However, you probably don't want to play it again. <laughs> so, so here's my thing with this. I felt like, the way the game was working, it felt like it was just intro- slowly introducing me to new rules that I could have just read in the book and just incorporated them all at the beginning. So I would, like, Taverns of Tevenhall, for example, it gives you five modules that you can play when, why would I want to do that when I just throw it all in and I can have the complete game right at the very beginning and don't have to go through this this slow process of playing through each of the modules to get to all the, you know, the full experience of the game. That's what I feel like well, about this one. I don't like the legacy piece. I don't care about the story. Just give me the cool bits. Give me the cool new powers and let me play the game. That's that's my issue with this game. And I like the story. I like the idea of it slowly unfolding. 
Um, and at the end, you'll have a complete game. And I'm okay with working towards that because then by the end, I feel like you feel really accomplished. You feel like you've you've done something. And now we've worked together to make this new game that we can now play. I don't know. Yeah, I would I would just open up all the boxes and just go to, go to town. <laughs> That's how I would play it. So those are the games that I really like and Jason just is uh, about. <laughs> That's true. Because <laughs> out of all of these, I only really hate that one. The rest of them, I'm just, eh, whatever. That's just, you just, it's just because you don't have really strong feelings about most things. You're just kind of like, either you like it or, and even when you like something, you're not like, oh, I'm so love this. Like, I'm really into it. You're just like, yeah, I like that. It's cool. That's true. That is true. I know. I know how you are. (laughs) Like, if you picture, like, um, an equalizer line, okay? So there's that zero. It's the straight across line. All right. Then, like, anything happy and exciting is above the line. Like, goes up to 10. And then anything, like, really sad and not good or, like, angry or hateful goes down to negative 10. I live my life going from, like, 8 to negative 8, like, in on, a, like, a daily, a three minute hourly, minute basis. Jason's entire goal of life is to live at zero. <laughs> if everything could be at zero, it's good day. he would be super good, satisfied. Good day, yep. like, That's true. <laughs> and so that's why there's not a ton of games he hates, because that's just too much away from zero to actually put into hating a game. Yeah, at the end of the day... It's just not worth it. It's just, it's just a game. Like it's I enjoy playing games, but I'm not going to go to the mattresses over a game that I don't I, I that oh, I, I will. Yeah, you will. I know cuz you go from 8 to negative 8. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's all from us on our Valentine's Day episode where we talked about games that I love and games that Jason doesn't like. So, you know, yeah. that's real. Uh, it's really romantic. I know. Talk about all our differences. <laughs> that's what makes us such a good couple, everybody. It's yep. a secret. <laughs> it's true. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, check us out on Facebook. Uh, join the Riveted group. Find us on Instagram or Twitter or message us or check out our awesome videos on YouTube. We're adding new ones all the time. You guys are awesome. The best fans ever. The best people ever. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. I'm Katie. And I'm Jason. And keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. And live life right in the middle.